Welcome to the Lessons Learned Podcast, a podcast reflecting on the lessons we've learned and those we're still in the process of learning. I'm Komal, your host. I'm an interviewer, investor, and someone who has lived a lot of life in a short time. I built this podcast as a place for us to reflect, to be together, and to learn from one another. Let's get into it. Welcome to a new, actually an old episode of Lessons Learned. This week we are doing a recap episode. We are talking about resilience when we are triggered. And I am in the midst of having had a root canal yesterday, figuring out our next right steps for the business and our launch of Your Best Year, which is a year planning program, a weekend retreat that I am going to be launching for the end of November, so stay tuned for that. We all should go into 2021 with clarity, with purpose, after the year that we've had, controlling the things that we can control. So stay tuned for when that's coming out. But in the meantime, here is a rewind episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. I am pumped about this week's episode because I'm gonna be talking about a topic that's very close to my heart and one that I recently, with the help of Kim and Kylie from my team, really honed in on as an anchor for what I want to talk about more in the world and what sort of my superpower is. And when we were reflecting on how I interview people and my passion in life of helping people realize their own potential and tap into their unrealized potential, I began to understand and we started to see a thread of something that I am so passionate about is investigating resilience. So when I think back to my interviews on the Thrive podcast here with Nithika on the show, my interview with Michelle Obama, other incredible people that I've had the opportunity to interview, what I realized was the questions that I was most excited to ask about and the questions that elicited the most impactful and powerful responses from the individuals I was interviewing were ones that had to do with how they came back from exceptionally hard moments in their lives. With Michelle Obama, that included us talking about how she reconciled grief and loss after losing her best friend to cancer and losing her father to MS. And what that helped us uncover in that conversation was that the responsibility she felt knowing that they were no longer here and knowing that she had the privilege of life and the privilege of continuing to be alive every single day, that that was what motivated her to leave the legal profession. That's what motivates her on a daily when she wakes up, she says she can move her legs. Her father could not at the end of his life. And when I think back to how I plan my questions or the questions that lit me up the most, even on the podcast, I mean, we were, we were talking about women in business on the Thrive podcast, but when I would get into my last section of questions around legacy and impact, that would be most often when my interview guests would light up or I could tell that they were tapping into something deeper and more important to them. And this session I did with Kylie and Kim was actually in prep for our tour next year. We wanted to dive into more of my own key messaging. What am I here to bring to the table for each of you who are listening? 
what might be the thing that you connect with most deeply when it comes to the content I share and the things that I say and the interviews that I do. I think because of my own lived experience growing up in an abusive household, experiencing grief and major loss at a young age and repetitively throughout my 20s, and then being diagnosed with and surviving cancer, optic neuritis, endometriosis, multiple surgeries, and career highs and lows leaving my company that I co-founded and helped build and having to start from scratch essentially at the age of 27. Major financial loss and gain. So much of my story has to do with my own capacity of being able to pick myself back up over and over and over again. And I am getting emotional because like I said, this is the good stuff. This is the type of questions and conversations that make people realize their own strength and capacity and capability. And it's the kind of work and conversations that matter most in the world. And so Kim, Kylie, and I, we were doing this sort of mapping of my brand, of my voice, of the things that I like to talk about. And we came back to a couple different words, sisterhood community, storytelling, authenticity, um, growth, and it all kind of hunkered back to resilience. I tell stories, I build community, I help people understand their own potential in an effort for them to name and understand their own resilience. Because I genuinely believe with the right supports, training, tools, we can come back from almost anything in life if we're given the privilege of more life. And with that foundation, I think that if we can build community around resilience and talk about our collective resilience and help each other acknowledge our own resilience through hearing the stories of others and their own resilience, I think that we can build something really special together and know intrinsically how powerful we are but also as a collective, as a community, how powerful we are together. That being you, my amazing listeners, me, and the community of guests that we're going to start bringing onto the show next year. So with that being said, I really wanted to talk a little bit more about what resilience is and sort of define it for us as a community. And I'm not going to have time this week to do a slide into my DMs, DM segment, but you best believe we'll be talking a lot more about resilience on the show. Actually, before I dive into like sort of the core of the conversation for today, I actually want to bring up why this is really like kind of on my mind this week outside of it being something I think about often, just naturally. But so last week we talked morning routines and I had committed to 7 a.m., doing my meditation, journaling, uh, movement, number of different things. And then I was great for seven days, including our last few days of our vacation. We came back, we settled in. I started getting into my rhythm and routine again. And today, actually, I was supposed to be heading to TED Women in Palm Springs, but yesterday my back seized up. 
And over the weekend, I realized that I think what I need to do with my morning routine commitment is give myself a little bit of flex on the weekends because I fell off. (laughs) So I made this big commitment, 100 days of this morning routine. And Saturday morning, Friday night, we were up late. Saturday morning, I was like, fuck it. (laughs) Like... I just, I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself this break on Saturday. And then Sunday rolled around, did the same thing. Monday, I was supposed to be prepping to go to Palm Springs, but then my back seized up and today is Tuesday. So four days of, of not following through on my morning routine commitment. And I noticed the change in my clarity of mind and thought. And it's interesting to see that juxtaposition of seven days on and now four days off and how different the quality of my mind is. I'm definitely more in darker emotions, thoughts, things like that versus when I've set the tone for my day to start. But when I looked up the definition of resilience, what it said online is the ability for us to quickly bounce back from hard things in life. That's my Cole's notes summary of what I was reading. I think it's like, you know, part of that definition is how it progressively we become quicker at bouncing back from things because we have that repetition over time when it comes to coming back from traumas or hard things or falling off habits or routines. Um, And in this situation, there's a lot going on for me when it comes to believing in myself wholeheartedly and going all in with this tour. That takes a lot of energy, effort, consistent commitment to myself and my dreams thinking of the funding side of things and and starting to plan my sponsor outreach and and doing some of the sponsor outreach and realizing how vulnerable that experience is and reminding myself that it took, you know, 12 12 outreaches to make the Michelle Obama interview happen. It's going to be a similar sort of statistic with getting sponsorship secured. And then also being on this health journey and having a spasm yesterday For those of you who have been injured or gone through illness or had any sort of setback in your life, you know that there's a lot of vulnerability that comes from a setback and it can trigger a series of emotional responses that we face when we go through triggering or hard situations. So for me, a big one that comes up is negative self-talk and, you know, breaking down my own confidence. And I go through this series of instant trigger responses when I say fail at something or something's not going well or I'm not hearing back from X person. It becomes this sort of um, subconscious knee-jerk ritual, talking about rituals the last few weeks, that my sort of ape brain or that more sort of reactive part of myself goes directly back to. And so I'm going through this all with falling off my morning routine, with having the back spasm, now not going to Palm Springs for TED Women and, you know, looking at it and saying, well, perhaps that was a blessing because I need this rooting. I need this routine before the holiday season and some time to reflect and sit and have a conversation like this with both myself and with all of you. Um, But it's a moment for me to flex my resilience muscles and to say, you fell off, but that doesn't mean you've fallen off for good. It means you have a hundred days. You've set this parameter of time because it takes a long time to build habits. And I've had people in my life ask me, oh, how's it going? Like I'm the notorious night owl. And I can hear sort of that funny interest in their voice. But also for me, it comes off. I can feel 
judgment, but it's actually not them judging me. It's me and my inner shit judging myself because I've fallen off. So when I look at picking myself back up, dusting myself off and trying again, I was looking at online and, and researching what are the what are things that contribute to humans' resilience. And one thing that I found that really resonated is something called the seven C's. And I wanted to go through it with you guys today because I think that when it comes to the holiday season, we can be so deeply triggered by so much. Um, I've had conversations with folks who, for whom holidays are triggering because of family dynamics that they have or don't have. So seeing pictures of families online can be really triggering. So they have established a routine for themselves over the holiday season for how not to engage online to protect themselves. I've talked to others for whom food is triggering. Food is a big trigger for me um, as overeating is a coping mechanism I have with hard emotions. Um, others for whom, you know, travel and just simply being around their family members can be self-destructive for them or can make them regress to childhood self and childhood behaviors. So this is a really triggering season for a lot of people. And I wanted to dive into these seven C's of resilience that I found uh, on healthychildren.org so that we can collectively flex our resilience muscles and remind ourselves that even if we fall off, even if we regress to behaviors, thoughts, experiences, triggers, emotions that we kind of hate when we fall into, that we can all climb back up together. We can all pick ourselves back up together. And so this is our first deep dive together into a conversation around resilience, this investigation I'm doing around resilience, um, looking at the seven C's that in this article, they talk about the seven C's that help build resilience in children. But I actually think that it's not just in children that these seven C's are applicable. I'm applying them to myself because, you know, all of the conversations of treat yourself like you would your own child, we're going to do that today. <laughs> so this is from Dr. Kenneth Ginsberg, who is a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And the first C he discusses is competence. Here he says competence describe, or the article says competence describes the feeling of knowing that you can handle a situation effectively. The way we do this is focusing on our individual strengths, empowering ourselves to make decisions, um, being careful, and this is talking in a parental context, that you don't um, compare your children or you ensure that they know their individual strengths and that you believe your kids are competent enough to handle things. So let's think of this in a personal context, context. When we're thinking of our own competence, when I'm at my low and being an asshole to myself, the first thing that goes is self-belief. And, and competence and confidence are the two C's that are first here. So competence being your ability of knowing that you can handle a situation. And when I feel most competent is obviously when I'm feeling great. Um, but in this situation, say, of me falling off the morning routine and coming back to it, I question my competence, and I think it might be a knee-jerk reaction to the types of negative conversations I may have grown up around, the way that language was used as and weaponized um, and can be weaponized at children where, you know, you're stupid or, you know, one of my nicknames growing up from elders in my family was stupid. And so when I think of my own competence and when I get into that negative headspace, it can be really triggering for me. I can feel like I'm incapable of meeting the situation or 
of figuring my way out of the thing. So I think in this situation, when you're feeling quote unquote incompetent because you are feeling low, it's reminding ourselves that you're being triggered in this situation. And I think we're going to come back to this specific thought process over and over through these seven C's. Um, but reminding yourself that it's the trigger that's making you feel incompetent, not necessarily the reality of the situation. So bringing yourself back to reality, back to the situation at hand, and reminding yourselves of moments where you were competent and reminding yourself how you are competent. And doing journaling to do this would be really helpful. And if you're going through this right now, then I would suggest you know writing along with me as you're hearing me chat with you. Um, reminding yourself of your own competence. So that being the first C of the seven C's that help us build resilience. So the second C in the seven C's of building resilience is confidence. And confidence is built on competence. When you believe you are competent, you build the muscle of feeling confident. So this comes when we can recognize for ourselves that we have done a good job um, when we've had that reinforcement externally uh, telling us when honestly we've done a good job and we are receiving honest praise that is authentic, not inauthentic, and taking on as much as we can realistically handle. These are all parts of building that confidence. And so when we remind ourselves of our own competence and that you know we've made it through hard things in the past, we've risen from the ashes before we've picked ourselves when we've hit rock bottom we've picked ourselves back up when we remember those things the confidence can slowly start creeping back and what i want to say here about confidence confidence is a really interesting exp like experience skill thing to build i think that this might be surprising for a lot of the listeners, a lot of you guys. Um, I can feel so much, like such low confidence in myself at times. There is an intrinsic thing, I think, in all of us where like we know what we're capable of and that chasing the dream and all those pieces. But if you're an entrepreneur or if you're, you know, if you're feeling isolated, lonely in your own trauma or trigger, remembering our confidence or coming back to our confidence can be really hard. And this is something I read in Option B, which was a book by Cheryl Strayed. She wrote after she lost her husband suddenly when they were on vacation. After any sort of grief, trauma, injury, illness, people's confidence is completely shot. That was true for me after I was diagnosed with cancer. And when I went back to work afterwards, I wasn't the same. And in the circumstance that I was in, I kept being reminded that I wasn't the same by the people I was working with, um, by different things in myself, because I saw how differently my performance was. Um, I wasn't necessarily as productive as I used to be. I couldn't pull all-nighters like I used to. I'd just gone through two surgeries, had PTSD from one of them. My confidence was completely gone. And so when we look at competence, if you're not feeling competent coming back from something major happening in your life, and then on top of that, you're expected to build this confidence, like one without the other is not possible. And so coming back to the competence and the matter of fact list of the things that you've come back from, the things that you're capable of, the things that you've risen from, 
is so key to building confidence. And it's not like fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. You are it. You don't have to fake it because that can be inauthentic and then it can keep you in an, in an inertia of constantly not truly being and rooted and true confidence in yourself. And so, yeah, so confidence is the second one. This is obviously one that I'm still while like deeply unpacking. I'm still building up my own confidence from coming back from so much difficulty in my late 20s um, within both my career and with myself personally. And it's the first thing I question. Those are the first two things I question are my competence and my confidence. But those are two things that as we're building each other up, we can help reinforce in one another. So when you're seeing a friend go through a hard time or your partner's like really laying into themselves, like Mitch did this for me last night, help remind each other of what we've done, what we've accomplished, what we're truly capable of. And that will help build up the confidence in the person in front of you. And we can do that as an act of service for each other. And it's actually one of the greatest acts of service we can perform because doing it for ourselves can be so hard, but the community around us can help build us up. And that brings me to the next C, the third C of the seven that are the core parts of resilience and that being connection. Developing close ties to family and community creates a solid sense of security that helps lead to strong values and prevents alternative destructive paths to love and attention. A big part of connection is emotional and physical security within your home and your own spaces. Um, being able to safely express all of your emotions um, comfortably in your own spaces and with the people you're around. Um, being able to address conflict openly um, in safe and healthy ways to resolve problems. And creating space for you to connect with the most important people in your life, whether that's family or friends, but that consistent convening with those people and healthy relationships that reinforce positive messages. So when I think of connection, growing up in a household that was both volatile, but also so rooted, like my mom was so good at helping us build tradition and building relationships around the dinner table and finding comfort in meals together and food, which is, as you can probably deduce, has been what's led to that being my comfort in hard times, but one that I'm so grateful for and appreciative of because it brought me so much comfort as a kid. So I got a real sense of connection through community and convening in my own home growing up, even though it was volatile. Things can be both and, right? Like it can be hard and good at the same time. It can be traumatic and loving at the same time. I think that's one of the biggest things as I get older and build my resilience muscle is that I'm realizing Things are so complicated and complex that we can be so many different things at once, so many different realities at once. And an example here of connection is I talk to Mitch about this often. I'm going to get emotional here. Us building our family now and living with Mitch's dad, my father-in-law, and my cousin, our cousin Nathan, in such a loving home it feels almost like I've, I, it feels not like I'm unworthy of it, but it feels like I'm, it, it feels like someone's going to pull the rug from under me at any moment because I'm like, this is normal. Um, I say that to Mitch often, like, is this what your childhood was like? 
Like it was safe, it was secure, it was normal. People weren't shouting all the time. There wasn't, you know, you didn't feel afraid a lot of the time. And he said, yeah, like this, this, it, this was how I was raised. And, you know, it didn't come without its challenges. Um, Mitch has also had to overcome a lot um, through his parents going through divorce and different things happening in his life as a young person. But for me, the joy now and the awe of building a safe home and a safe place just for myself and hopefully our future kids and our family now, what a privilege, what a cool thing that we get to do to create safe places for each other. Holy shit, we can make sure people feel loved and secure and not exposed to violence, abuse, and hard anger and resentment and all of those things. Like, we are in control of that. And so this piece of connection, I think that's what can help me, quote-unquote, bounce back faster and faster, or like more securely and more securely, is because I know I'm so supported in my physical environment and emotionally by the people around me. That being said, I do see a gap right now in my life, which is therapy. (laughs) So that's something I'm exploring. But I had a conversation with a friend yesterday and she offered me the contact info for her therapist. And it's like, cool, like this is reaffirming for me that even though competency and confidence are still two parts that I'm working on with these seven C's, that connection is one that I've really been able to honor and hone in on um, in my adult life. So next up, our fourth C of the seven C's is character. Here it says, children need to develop a solid set of morals and values to determine right from wrong and to demonstrate a caring attitude towards others. To strengthen your child's character, start by demonstrating how our behaviors affect others, helping your child recognize himself or herself as a caring person, demonstrating the importance of community, encouraging the development of spirituality, avoiding racist or hateful statements or stereotypes. Character is a fun one because I feel like I'm 30 now. There's parts of my character that are still in development, but it's subtle development. The core parts of me are already developed. Um, That being, you know, we did, when I was with Kylie and Kim, we did an activity of like core values for lessons learned and for myself. Integrity is literally the greatest guiding force in my life. When we're talking about being sort of vetted, I have a lot of friends who are high profile individuals. And one of them, when I was being vetted, um, you know, you got to be careful with who you surround yourself by. But a mutual friend was asked by this individual about me and my character. And the friend said, they are the, Como is the walking embodiment of integrity. And I was floored by that. And it was such a deep resonance for me because it made me know that my character, my values are so evident in the world. And, you know, I think sometimes, sometimes that excellence is another one of my values. Um, I'm sure I, I've definitely felt suffocated by this tenant of excellence in my life. But I think at the end of the day, I've also added compassion and grace to tenants that are part of my core foundation to, and these are ones that I've added later in my life. So even though so many are so well-established as we get older, 
we can still bring in character and values that are important to us. And for me, gentle, gentleness and, and being graceful and giving myself grace um, are ones that I'm working on bringing in more, which also come back to the competency and confidence conversations that I shared about. But these being set in your character, being set in your values helps you know who you are helps you know what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not willing to tolerate. And I think that's something that our 20s are a big part of helping us understand and define. And when it comes back to resilience, those values are what anchor us and and are the literal internal guide guide posts of who we are and us knowing ourselves. And so that is the fourth C is character what defines you? What are your values? What are the things that drive you um, to be, to do? Like I shared, some of my values are excellence, integrity, grace, um, compassion, love. Uh, I have others. I don't have them in front of me, but I have developed my own personal grouping of values. I actually did this with Leah Bratwaith, my current coach um, from the Live Free Lifestyle and I highly recommend the process she's taking me through. I'm really enjoying it. But having my own values defined in front of me is such a huge benefit to me um, when it comes to strengthening my resilience muscle and also just knowing who I am. So the next C, I think we're on five now, yeah, is contribution. So we need to know that the world um, can be a better place because we're in it. We need to understand the importance of personal contribution uh, in the world around us. So contribution is key because it's how we build community and it's how we build a sense of our place in the world. I genuinely believe it's through service and seva, which is the Sanskrit word for selfless service. Um, It's through seva that we understand truly what we're capable of doing. And I've often heard this where it's like, if you're going through a hard time, be in, be of service to someone else to help you get out of your head. And especially when we are in our low moments, it can feel like we're completely empty because we've given so much of ourselves to the world around us and thus like have kind of hit this rock bottom. But it's in those moments that contribution and being gentle and generous to ourselves can be our act of contribution at that point. And it's through the contributions we may have made in the past that we are feeling potentially so supported in those moments and our lows um, when we are facing trauma, going through grief and trying to build ourselves back up. I felt so much contribution when I was coming out of my recovery from optic neuritis and had the opportunity to speak in front of 3,000 kids in Grand Prairie, Alberta, where I was born and raised. And it was so powerful to share with them the story of being in elementary school, not having friends and having my mom have to come and sit with me on the grassy hill in front of Kateri Mission Catholic School and bring me books at lunch and recess because I had no one to sit with and no friends to hang out with. My mom made it her mission to make sure I still was okay and felt okay. And to share that story and then to be on that stage and help those kids see their own potential and the power of connection that they had with one another was one of the most powerful contributions I've ever made um, in real time. Like I could feel it in that room. I, I did the whole 
getting them to jump up and down, like feel the energy in their bodies, get a sense of their own strength and their own sort of, it's really playing with like the cortisol levels and the adrenaline levels in the body through movement and through music and through hyping people up. Um, it's the whole motivational speaker effect. But in that moment, I knew that that was something that they were going to really internalize in themselves, especially seeing someone born and raised in GP coming back to that stage and sharing that vulnerability of when I was younger to where I am now. Being able to contribute to our communities is such a powerful part of building that resilience in ourselves and knowing that we can keep coming back um, because it's not just about us. It's about our community beyond us and our world beyond us and what we're here to give them. Because if we're self-isolated or if we're too in our heads, we can become so self-obsessed or so in our own insulated mind that we forget that we're a part of a bigger ecosystem and that we're here to do so much more than just ruminate on our own self-loathing. <laughs> so contribution for me is major when I'm coming through those hard moments and to remind myself of my own resilience. Now, the last two C's of these seven C's are more of the action-oriented side of it, which, I'm, which I like. So coping is number six. And I'm just going to review the ones we've gone through so far. So competence being the first, confidence being built on that competence, connection being the third, character the fourth, contribution the fifth, and now coping. What I realized when I was talking to Kim and Kylie and we realized about this investigating resilience, that my sort of obsession with habits, rituals, and my own personal growth and development is the habits I have in place that are anchored in my life become my coping mechanisms when shit hits the fan. And that, knowing that and knowing that anchoring with my morning routine helps me be resilient in this moment of having fallen off and choosing to get back on. And even with my movement practice, with my back spasm, I've taken off now three days from movement, even you know, going for my walks. Um, since my 100-day challenge, I kept working out almost every day. And I'm starting another 100-day challenge, and I'm doing a small mentorship group through 100 Strong and Sexy and, and some of you guys, some of my wonderful listeners. But I needed to take a break. And I was getting so in my head, I'm going to fall off. I'm not going to get back on it, whatever it is. But it's like, no, these habits are ingrained. These habits are now second nature for me. Movement is now second nature for me. And I did that intentionally because if I look back, um, when I didn't have movement, coming through hardship was even more difficult. When I didn't have certain anchorings, when I didn't have a meditation practice, I didn't have positive coping mechanisms. So it's not necessarily replacing them yet for me because I there's still certain habits that I have that aren't the healthiest when it comes to coping. But I think if we can reinforce for ourselves healthy habits and rituals that we can rely on when things do get hard, um, and if we're talking about the holidays, if you have a ritual for yourself when you're home with your family or when you're alone around the holidays, daily rituals that you can come back to, whether it's exercise classes, whether it is meditation and mindfulness in the morning, journaling, um, calling a different friend every day, whatever that habit or ritual can look like, you are 
able to put it in place for yourself so that you can rise through this time in a way that you can be more proud of. And I think that's a big part of resilience is every time we fall off habits or every time we go through something really hard in our lives, if we are even a little bit better in how we recover and come out of it, that's huge point of pride. That is a massive point of pride. When I look at having three surgeries in two years, I learned so much from my first recovery. I learned so much from my second recovery because I was building off of the first, but also that was the surgery I experienced PTSD from. And that was like an outlier that I wasn't expecting. So that second recovery helped inform so much of my third recovery in terms of making my physical space really nice. It was last October that I had my endometriosis surgery and I ended up like decorating the house with Halloween stuff, like getting just, it was so cozy. And when I think of that, what turned was supposed to be eight weeks of recovery turned into 12 weeks of recovery because I had complications after the surgery, I was more comfortable and capable of enduring that additional four weeks and the hardship of the complications post-op because I had lo- I'd built up from the surgeries before. So it's building on our resilience, changing things, pivoting here and there, doing small shifts so that we can become better and better in the future. And I just realized that this isn't negativity. Some people might be like, you're so focused on when we fall off or the traumas or the hard things. This is reality. You know, people we love are going to die. We might get injured. Bad things might happen to us and the people we love. We might just be assholes to ourselves because that's how we've been conditioned from when we were younger and we're trying to work, work through it. I think, you know, it's a band-aid's fix for us to just look at being positive and not actually looking at, you know, how do we train ourselves to come out of the hard shit? And that's what this seven C's are, is a basis for us understanding how we rise, how we are resilient, and why resilience matters. So this isn't to be negative, this is just to honor what we've come through, how we've come through it, and to remind ourselves of what we're capable of rising from. So that even when the small things happen, when I'm not waking up at 7 a.m., when I said I was going to wake up at 7 a.m., that I can take a breath get out of my own way and try again. That's what resilience is, is how many times are you willing to try again, to pick yourself up, to rise? That's what this is about. So coping, coping is our habits and our rituals that we have in place and hopefully healthy ones that we can reestablish for ourselves and get in place or help our children establish um, or the people around us establish so that we have things to fall back on that aren't self-destructive and going to destroy us even more when we're already in a hard time. So with each of these C's, I'd offer for you guys to dive in with your journal and write down um, just quick uh, point form thoughts around competence for yourself, thoughts around confidence for yourself, thoughts around connection, thoughts around character and values, thoughts around your own competence contribution and coping and finally coping and those habits that we have lend us to the final c which is control 
And if being sick taught me anything, it's that we don't control shit. <laughs> and, but it also taught me that we do control our minds. And I love this line. I think I've said it in previous podcasts, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Ziggy Marley, Lauren Hill, Redemption Song. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. That was a guiding force for me through my illnesses, through hard times. I remind myself that my thoughts are a prison of my own making. Life has dealt me a lot of hard cards. Life has dealt me a lot of great cards. And what I need to remember is that in those circumstances, I can control certain parts of outcomes, certain parts of how things are going to shake out. Um, like right now, not in control of the fact that my neighbor upstairs is starting a music class. So if you're hearing some music and like singing in the background, that would be why young kids, just, there's a music academy upstairs at my office. Um, but understanding that life's events aren't just purely random, but that we do have a sense of control over our responses. And that for me, mindfulness has been a way for me to control response. And now I don't want to belittle or negate anyone's experience. I was reading an article today about how in England, I think it was London, there was an affordable housing building that was taken down and the built the city promised to rebuild some more affordable housing in that space but instead built condos that are now mostly foreign owned and what the city did or that that government did and i wish i knew the exact details which i should because i should have prepped it but i didn't know i was going to talk about it um was they hired coaches life coaches and mindfulness practitioners from the happiness project in the uk to come in to provide support for those folks who were kicked out of their houses. And it's like, what is systemic oppression and what is actually like our responsibility to unpack? And that's a deeper conversation for another podcast, but I never want to diminish the impacts of external uh, circumstances that are out of our control on our overall well-being, mental health, and capacity to be resilient. Because if your basic needs aren't met, maybe some of these C's actually aren't applicable or are harder to apply. And the potentially harder thing that you're going to do to yourself is blame yourself for the circumstance you're in because you can't build this mental resilience, clarity, whatever to get through it. But I also know that that is where the best self-development happens is when we're in our hardest moments and that you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and I can't control my future. I can't control when the people I love are going to die. I can't control what my children, if I'm, if I'm going to have kids, I can't control if my potential future children that I really deeply hope I will be able to have, um, what their lives are going to be like. But what I can control is how I respond. And I don't want to be flippant with that. You know, we hear you can control how you respond. No, I can control how I look at these seven C's and employ and flex my resilience muscle in my life. When I think of raising children, if I have that privilege, it's not that I'm going to want them to never experience anything bad in their life. When I raise a daughter, if I have a daughter, it's not that I'm going to pray that 
and I, I think every mother would, but it's not that I'm going to be in denial that she'll never be assaulted, abused, raped because of the statistics that we know. But what I want to instill and enforce in that young person is to know that even if the worst shit happened to them, that I will be there to support them and I'm here to remind them of how strong they are and how they can come through whatever the hard thing is in front of them. It's teaching each other about resilience. It's teaching each other about what we're capable of coming out of and rising through, through sharing our stories with one another and through not being unrealistic when it comes to the realities of life. Because I think the more we try and protect each other from how hard life can be, the harder those falls are, the harder rock bottom is. And so we need to be true, honest, and real with each other so that we can know what each other came out of, so that we have a sense of maybe I can come out of that hard thing too. So that, my beautiful friends, is my first official quote-unquote investigation into resilience with all of you. And sharing these seven C's felt really pertinent and, and useful, especially during this time of year, so that you can remember how you rise, what you've come through, and see maybe a connecting thread through these seven C's in your own life of what you're capable of. So the seven C's of resilience, once again, are competence, which builds our confidence, connection, character and values, contribution, coping, and control. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I so enjoyed recording it. It helped me process a lot of what's going through my brain. I think we can be so hard on ourselves and unforgiving of ourselves. And this is your reminder that you are strong, you are capable, you will make it through whatever hard thing is in front of you. And if things are great for you right now, then pay it forward. Lend a hand of your greatness to someone else around you who may need it. Remind the person in your life who is going through the hard thing of how competent and capable they are. And just keep spreading that love to everyone around you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Lessons Learned podcast. This is your resilience investigator, Komal Minhas. We're going to work on that. Tell me, do you like investigating resilience as kind of what my tagline is? I, I really love it. So actually, like, if you don't, just don't tell me. <laughs> but all of this to say, this is going to help uh, guide us with a little bit more clarity and understanding when it comes to the tour and how we want to plan those interviews and bring on guests and I'm just so pumped for what's to come. It's scary. It's nerve wracking. It's going to require me to flex a lot of my resilience muscles uh, to make it through this planning process, but it's also going to be unbelievable when we pull it all off. So thank you guys for tuning in and until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to follow me, Komal, check me out on Instagram at K-O-M-A-L-M-I-N-H-A-S or the show at Lessons Learned Podcast underscore. And if you have an idea of a lesson that we should dive into on the show, then slide into our DMs and submit there or on the website along with any guests you think I should interview and talk all of the things with. As always, I hope that you make some time for you this week and reflect on the lessons you're learning or have learned and take some time to celebrate all the incredible that is you. Until next time, guys. 